excited to share with you uh, a few disclaimers. First of all, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. I know for the Bible scholars in the room who may or may not be Pastor Jamie sitting on the front row, that the Passion Translation to you is not an adequate text to be preaching a sermon from, but I'm a creative and I'm from Vegas, so give me a break, okay? Let's start with forgiveness this morning and forgive me. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, but you can just go home and read King James when you get there. Okay. (laughs) Passion Translation, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. It says, because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones, in my heart... My heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now, just a little time out, a little pause right here. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus is a church of Gentiles. What is that? What does that word mean? That means they were not Jewish believers. When Jesus first came, Jesus was Jewish. He came to Jewish and people, and, and many were saved and converted to believing in Jesus. But then it went beyond just one group of people, and Jesus opened up to all the people. Can I hear an amen from all the people here this morning? So we're really, really thankful. We're really glad. But they didn't grow up, right, with any kind of um, Jewish tradition whatsoever. So they are in Ephesus. It's a very cosmopolitan city. It was a port city. So they had people from around the world coming in, so many different influences. It was steeped in um, uh, mysticism. Um, dark arts. So they did believe that there was a power beyond themselves. So they were very open to the power of God. And it was also a city that had big vision because it was kind of, I always laugh, it was kind of like Las Vegas, right? Um, They had the Temple of Diana. So they had these huge temples and edifices that human beings had built. But what that does is when we live in a place like Dallas, Texas, that the practice stadium for the Cowboys, go Cowboys, hope they win, because I frankly don't care, so we'll just cheer for them today. (laughs) Kind of like Dallas, right? Everything's bigger in Texas, right? Like if, if you guys build anything here, it's like three and four times the size, definitely of anything in LA, but for sure, like just, I mean, everything's huge in Texas. So this is Ephesus. Like they, ha- they, ha- they could have big dreams because they saw a lot of great infrastructure built by human beings, but they still had this desire to tap into supernatural events. So you kind of get this this really interesting culture that Paul is teaching and preaching to and writing this letter to, okay? Just a little bit of context, right? Verse 17, I think it is, or continuing on in verse 16. I pray, this is his prayer that he's praying. He says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, understanding, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. 
I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Can we say amen to God's word this morning? Come on, touch your neighbor and say, this is going to be really good. Touch your other neighbors and say, the Cowboys don't play till later, I think. Thank God for DVRs if they're playing right now. I can see you on your cell phone. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, I have a title for you today. I'm not one for titles. I'm terrible with points. Uh, again, creatives make the world a really fun place. Super grateful for the type A's that keep it running. But so glad that it's not just you on this earth because it would be really boring. We wouldn't spend any of our money, you know, just all those kinds of things. So um, uh, I'm not really one for titles, but I have a title for you this morning. It's Processing the Light. Can you say that with me? Say Processing, processing. the light. light. Say it one more time. Say Processing, processing. the light. light. So Paul the Apostle is writing this letter to the church. And he's writing this letter, and he's starting it off, and I just always find it interesting to note the prayer that Paul is going to record that he is praying. As we understand, not everything was written down in the New Testament that happened in the early church. There was no possible way for every single thing to be written down. So what, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, did the apostle write in this prayer, what prayer was most important to him to then, therefore, go through the ages recorded for all of eternity into the living, active, alive word of God for you and me to memorize today to walk out this life victoriously? It just begs the question, what's, what does he write? I, I, hope, I hope you have a happy life. I hope, you know, that you just find great joy. Or I hope that you work really, really hard. Or I hope that everyone, you know, serves in the children's ministry because people really burn out in there. And, uh, you know, I hope, that, I hope that, you, that you get a revelation on giving. I hope you give to the church, you know. Please give your money. No, we don't, we don't, we don't talk like that here. But what is the apostle... Paul saying to this church. I love Ephesians and I love the way that it's set up and just for the sake of the foundation of our talk today, I think that it's important to note the book of Ephesians is so powerful because it does in the later chapters give us so much understanding about some of the more practical ways that his church ought to be set up. But those practical understandings of different government or authority or things like that inside the church were never meant to be detached from the first three chapters that are all about our identity and who we are in Jesus. This is so important that we do not get them separated, that we understand that he took, in fact, more time to explain everything that Jesus has given to us, imparted to us, made available to us, given us access to before we ever get to the doing. He made it real sure that we were, at first, human beings before we were human doings. 
Why is this so important? It's because unfortunately, probably irregardless of whether you've been saved for a while or if you've known Jesus or you've been doing the church thing or whatever it might have been, it doesn't matter. It's pretty easy to identify thousands if not millions of dissatisfied, disillusioned, frustrated, burnt out Christians. And the reason I think, just my opinion, not Bible, okay? You don't have to agree with me. I mean, when we get to heaven, he's going to say I'm right, but. <laughs> I think it's because in the rest of our culture, the, what we are taught our whole lives living in the amazing United States of America with our, with our republic, our democracy, with our understanding of education and the culture that we live in today, it is here is the pathway, here is the equation, here is the way to the breakthrough. Here is the way to the dream job. Here is the way to, you know, days of heaven on earth in your marriage, and then you have kids and have to start all over again. You know, here's, here's the path. And, and we, we, we boil down our existence to an equation, but the problem is then we enter into a kingdom mindset, which most of us, myself included, have zero understanding what a kingdom would be like with a king. But not only do we have a king who is ruling and in authority, he's also our father. So we're not just like existing within this kingdom as like the peons of society, but we are literally royalty in this family. We are daughters and we are sons. He loves us so much. He's built this whole plan up because he loves you. So we come from one culture and now we're into this kingdom culture, but we bring this mindset. And the mindset is do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, yes and no's. Here's ABC and then you'll get this. And what happens is that we come to church and we try tithing for three weeks, right? We like serve in the parking lot ministry and we're like, we're all going to park this way. And like 500 cars go that way. No one listens to you, right? Maybe you do the, the children's ministry and you're serving in there and then that's like the one week revival breaks out and it goes three hours in here. You're like, I'm never serving again. And it seems like we do all the right things. But our mindset in that other culture is then we expect a certain result. And when the results or the breakthrough or the miracle doesn't happen in our timetable and in our timeline the way that we imagined and we envisioned it to be, we just think, I don't think this even works. But maybe, just maybe, we've gotten a few things out of order. And that identity, understanding who we are in Christ. I don't know if you've ever been in this place. I know I have been in this place. And it's not negative to say that maybe one day you will find yourself in a situation like this. But I know that I have found myself discouraged and down, feeling like I don't deserve it, and adding up all the reasons to God why I don't deserve this circumstance. 
and coming to the end of myself. And realizing, you're right, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his righteousness. I don't, I don't, I'm not worthy enough. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve to be a part of his family. Look, the list of my shortcomings and weaknesses and attitude issues and mind games that I play with, I was going to say, then, then you're thinking I'm really manipulative. Mind games in my head, my own head that I'm, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> wow, she has issues. I do. But we don't deserve any of it. In fact, Paul begins this letter, and I encourage you to go home and reread Ephesians and reread these first few verses in this book because he encourages us and says, I want you to know that you've actually been given all spiritual blessing. You've been given everything you need to live out this life in godliness. Now, this blows our mind. Because we're thinking we got to go junior high, we got to go high school, we got to go to college, we got to major, double major, minor, we got to go get our master's and our doctorate, and all those things are good things, and we should get those things, and absolutely, I really don't want to go to a doctor that took the creative route to becoming a doctor. <laughs> Dear Jesus, well, I did the Jesus way. I'll be like, I'm going to go find somebody that did the education way. Thank you so much. I'm not saying that, 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 that. That we like lose our minds or become weirdos about this. But the reality is if we take this mindset and apply it to our time in Christ, we think that we are somehow inadequate. But then understanding that, yes, we are inadequate, but we've now been given everything that we need. Because I'm telling you, it changes our outlook, it changes our perspective, and it changes the prayers we pray. We spend far too much time praying, saying, God, God, please just give me more of your love. No, he's given you the love that you need. God, God, would you please heal me? No, he has already healed you. We might have some lying symptoms in our body. And I want you to know I'm not saying this in an unfeeling way. I am not saying this devoid of personal and human experience because I have watched best friends. I've watched loved ones. I've watched family members. Some get healed, but some go to heaven and get their healing on the other side of heaven. I am not giving you something that I haven't taken for myself and applied in everyday life. But at the end of the day, either we're going to believe what he's written down in his word. Come on. We're going to receive that and walk in it or we'll keep trying to do it our own way. And we will join the millions of Christians that have given up. I pray that the eyes of your imagination would be illuminated and that you would be flooded with light. Vision takes two ingredients. Vision takes two ingredients. It takes light and sight. Touch your neighbor, say light. Touch your other neighbor, say you need some sight. That might be your future spouse, and you just woke them up. Now they saw you for who you are in your glory. Light and sight. In order to have vision, you need both of these things. You can have all the light in this beautiful room, but if you do not have the capabilities to see with your eyes, it doesn't matter how much light 
is in this room, you do not have the ability to see, but you also need light. You can have the ability to see, right? But everybody remembers when you were a little kid and mom and dad and maybe your dad was like my husband who feels like every light needs to be turned on, off in the house at all times. It doesn't matter that we bought the LED bulbs and it's only like two cents for the whole month to run the LED bulbs. I'm not bitter or anything, okay? Every light needs to be off in that house, you know, at night. We're not gonna be paying for electricity when we're sleeping. <laughs> right? Light and sight. Light is so powerful even when you have sight because in the darkness, you can begin to misinterpret the circumstances around you all of a sudden, right? The toy looks like a person and the, <laughs> right? and the, the curtain looks like, you know, like a spirit. And, and all of a sudden we begin misinterpreting things around us because we are simply devoid of light in a circumstance. I was um, at California Adventure with my kids at one point. I've been there many, many times because it's my happy place. And that's super inappropriate to say when you're a pastor because you should say church is your happy place, but it's not. <laughs> I've been really set free to just admit that this morning. So I got set free at Wilderness Conference. <laughs> so <laughs> women, that was the women's conference theme. Anyway, okay, never mind, going on. So sorry, I'm a little ADD, creative and ADD. It's a fun life. So I was at California Adventure, and when I was a little girl, I had gone to a county fair. I had done a uh, Ferris wheel. Is that what it's called, Ferris wheel? Yeah. So I'd done, like, a Ferris wheel, and the door had swung open while we were on the ride, so it kind of, like, freaked us out. But I had totally um, stuffed that memory down into the recesses of my psyche and um, had not remembered that memory until my kids decided they wanted to go on the large... Um, Ferris wheel thingamabob at California Adventure. You see it in all the pictures when you see pictures of the park. It's the one with Mickey's face on it, and it's lit, lit up. So they have gondolas on this ride. So some gondolas are stationary, and they just go in a circle, right, like normal. Well, then they have these other gondolas that swing from side to side as you're going around in a circle. And so my kids, they were toddlers and young at this time. We get into one of these gondolas, and it begins to swing. We take off, and it begins to swing well. I didn't realize before I got on this ride, there's no chairs, there's no seat belts, there's no nothing. I knew intellectually that Disney's probably not going to create a ride that's going to kill me. But I felt in that moment that they had. And, uh, and so in my state of panic, I began to sink lower and lower to the floor as I am praying and whimpering and being scared and having a complete and total meltdown, telling my kids to shut up and sit down right now, which is super holy and Christian, like in a great example of motherhood. And, and I'm, I'm down on the ground in the fetal position. And in case you're wondering what kind of church we are today, I was speaking in tongues. And... I'm down on the ground and I'm crying and I'm speaking in tongues. My mom calls on the phone, the kids answer it. They're like, mommy's having a panic attack, Grammy. 
And, and the next thing I hear is, I'm down on the ground, speaking in tongues, I'm praying. I hear, ma'am. Ma'am. Ma'am, are you okay? And I look up, and there's all the people standing in line for the ride. I'm down at the ground. The man is there. I get up, and I'm so embarrassed that I was speaking in tongues. I start talking in tongues to the children like I'm foreign. And <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> A little traumatizing. However, if I had had my eyes open, I would have realized, right, that this journey, this challenge was over. But in my panic state, I close my eyes and don't. We do that sometimes when we're so frustrated and we can't see the end from the beginning and we're not God. But in those moments, because we can't see it, we're just frozen in time. We're paralyzed with fear in these moments. And it is in these times that we need to say, God, I don't understand. And guess what? That's okay to not understand. Because again, we're going back to the feeling like we got to say the right thing, be the right thing, do the right thing, act the right thing, take the right picture, have the right house, have the right spouse, perfect like little kids, perfect life. But the problem is that doesn't relate to anyone. No one can relate to a perfect life. Nobody is perfect. In fact, in our imperfection is the testimony of the goodness and the greatness of our God. So it is in our times when we're at the bottom of the gondola with our eyes closed, whimpering in tongues, that we need to say, God, I can't see. But I need a new perspective right now. I need to see with your eyes of faith. I need to see the end from the beginning. That's why prophecy is so powerful. And we're never going to get away from it. I hope we don't in the church because prophecy gives you a snapshot of what the future is going to look like. It's like a future Instagram post. That says, girl, guy, this is where you're going. This is where you're headed. It's going to be okay. This isn't going to kill you. You're going to get to the bottom of the gondola and survive. Vision and light. The word of God is the light unto our path. It illuminates things that we can't see. God is a God that works the end from the beginning, meaning if he has started the work in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it. But I find that so many times, myself included, I want to quit in the middle of the process. It's, it's where the time gets tough. It's where the rubber meets the road, where it seems like the, the, it is an impossible circumstance, and I can see no way out of it. But in times like that, I find myself retreating and thinking, all right, it's done, and I quit. But don't give in to the temptation to quit. Don't give in to the temptation to walk away. What if in these moments, because we can't see a way out anyway, we say, God, I'm just going to keep the faith. I'm just going to keep believing you are who you say you are. I'm just going to keep believing that if you brought me this far, it's not to take me back again, but it's to take me into every promise you have spoken and given to me over my life. You know what's so 
powerful in these types of seasons is your testimony. Pastor Dustin was referencing it this morning about the faithfulness of God, but maybe you haven't walked with Jesus super long. Maybe you just came to Jesus. Maybe today you're going to begin this journey, this relationship with Jesus. That's why it's so important that we constantly rehearse what God has done in our lives. Let us be the church that when people come around us, instead of rehearsing the challenges, the difficulties, or what the mountain might say in front of us, we lift up the God that is bigger than the mountain, the God that created the mountain, the God that spoke the mountain into existence, the God that holds the mountain in his hand, and at any moment he can remove it. But more than that, he can carry you through it, over it, empower you to grow you, to increase, come on, your faith and your belief and your understanding of who he is. Because not only is he, is he going to take you up and over that mountain, but there might be another one. And then you're going to go, oh, no, you see that one? It's okay. Light. And sight, why is this important? What, is, what, are, we, what are we understanding? What, are, what is being illuminated to us? It's just three things. It's, it is the hope of his calling. It's not the hope of your calling. I think it's verse 16, 17. You could throw it up there. The hope of his calling. It's understanding that, that we are not in this by ourselves. This isn't just about you and me and having a happy life and like happiness is overrated anyway, but just having a happy life and just being good and just getting through it and avoiding pain and, you know, just, just doing it the best that we can. No, this is it. This is about all of us interwoven into the beautiful fabric picture of the tapestry of grace, which is his church, which is his bride, which means that all of this is a setup because it's not only the hope of his calling, but in the, into the next verse, verse 19, it is, it is that we will, I'm sorry, verse 18, you're so, you're amazing back there. You're like, does this lady know her Bible? It's the passion translation, people. It's confusing. <laughs> Not only the hope of his calling, but the wealth of God's glorious inheritance. Listen. That he finds in us. You're his inheritance. I'm his inheritance. He set this up for relationship with you. When he sent his son to the cross, he had your face in his heart. He desires you. He wants you. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And he's not disillusioned by your humanity. And we're always trying to cover up our humanity. And he says, no, I know who you are. And I know your attitudes. And I know your issues. And I know, I know the strongholds. And I know, I know the mind games. And I know, I know the overreacting. And I know your personality. And I know your weaknesses. And I know your tendencies. And I know your strength. And I choose you. I choose you. And why do we need to understand really who we are? And in this beautiful tapestry of grace and our place among all of the believers that have gone before us and those that will come behind. And why do we need to understand that he chose us and he loves us so much? 
Paul continues on. I think it's the end of verse 18 there. You guys are so great in the back. Thank you. That he finds in us his holy ones. It is verse 19. You're awesome. Thanks. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Why? Next portion. Then our lives, as the band comes back, will be an advertisement. Just, can you just, can we just pause? Again, culturally, like this is so counter. Like they have people that dress food for a living to take pictures of it, to advertise it to us so that we will eat it. The food isn't even the real food that we will eat. It's usually like other items that they've cut out and painted to look like the food that we will eat. Actually, it doesn't really ever look like the food that we will eat. Right? We see the perfectly airbrushed, beautiful human being advertising to us if we use this product, then we're going to be just like them. Suddenly, we'll be 20 years younger. <laughs> our lives, our human lives, our imperfect lives, we're meant to be the advertisement. Throw that verse back up there for me. 19. This is the mighty power. I want you to hear this. This is the mighty power that went into that grave, into that tomb 2,000 years ago. This is the power, the power of the Holy Spirit that was released on the earth, that went into that tomb, that breathed life into our Savior's body, his broken beaten, bruised, dead body. This is the power that was released on that day. And now you and I have access to. This is it. But if we don't access this power before we get to the to-do list, Where's the white towel? Because we're never meant to do any of those wonderful, beautiful acts of service and love to our community, to our church, to our loved ones, to, 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 to our nation. We were never meant to do any of those things just in our own strength. They were never meant as a means of earning. They were never meant as a means of proving who we are. They may be an overflowing evidence. They ought to say, wow, look at those people serving their city. I hope that they are Christians. It would be an evidence of our relationship, but it is not the determining factor of being accepted in relationship to Jesus. Processing the light. We're building this beautiful new building and we're coming to the end and right before we, we're, we're, we they just hung the lights. This is a little bit fresh. And uh, probably it's similar to these kind of lights where you can change the color. You change like, yeah. And we went to a big expo that we have in Vegas. We have them, you know, all the time. And um, there was the lighting company that we were going to buy these lights from. And 
Of course, he was giving us way too much information that I frankly just could care less about. I'm like, they do colors. I love them. <laughs> but yeah, he's really proud of his technology. And so he's just kind of oversharing. And, um, but I found it fascinating because he was explaining how this new lighting system, it's an LED system, is transforming, especially people's lives that live in assisted living and don't have always access to outdoor lighting. And they were saying how it is improving so many people's lighting because now they can have these LEDs that actually change with the time of the day. And oftentimes people that are living in artificial light for so many times, they could get their days and their nights mixed up and get a little bit turned around. But really the sun in the morning is meant to be blue and to bright to wake us up. Now, I usually don't get up in time to see the blue light in the morning because I just think that's unfortunate if I have to be up that early. But every once in a while that it does happen because I have to catch a flight, right? The, the light is beautiful and it's bright in the morning. And then as it goes down, Right, we get down towards the golden hour, the three, the 4 p.m. As the sun begins to set and it's beautiful, it's like nature's Botox. You should take your pictures then. All those outdoor pictures, that's when they should be taken, right? Beautiful, golden glow. And what it's doing is it's actually telling our body, releasing different chemicals. It's beautiful the way God created. Releasing different chemicals in our minds. And we're actually viewing something Different. He said, we could take this light and put it on a painting. We can bring different aspects of the painting out just depending on the color of light that we put on it. I think so many times I know I find myself there and instead of praying those prayers of, you know, God, get me out of this or God, give me more love or Jesus, would you heal me? Instead of praying these prayers that frankly, it, it's, not, it's not like he's looking down and he's mad at us or like, I'm not going to answer your prayer. You didn't say it right. He's not like a weird junior high teacher, you know, <laughs> like he's not obnoxious. It's like when your little kid comes and says, you know, can I have a Coke? And you're like, what do you say? And they're like, please. You know, and it's probably not genuine. They're just doing, they're like a parrot. They're just saying whatever they want, you want to give them a Coke, right? But you don't care because you understand. I don't think he's in heaven, like, irritated with us. Like, oh, my gosh, here they go again. They're asking for healing. I already gave it to you. No. No, he understands, but... Let me change our perspective a little bit. God, you've given me everything that I need. I have access to everything that I need, irregardless of time spent with him, length of relationship. God, I have everything I need. So Lord, I'm looking at this situation and I can't see. I can't see the provision in this situation. So I need you to process the light. I need to see it from a different angle, from a different perspective, from a different level, with a different like shadow and situation happening here because I'm looking at it and it seems overwhelming. Think about Abraham walking up on that mountain with his son. God's saying, give your son back to me. Walking in obedience. I can't even imagine. Talk about Lord process the light. And the whole time, God had the provision in the bush. There was a sacrifice already ready. There was a ram right there. But he had to continue the journey. Let's not throw in the towel. Let's be honest and say, we don't see it. But God, I'm going to trust you. Process the light. Let me see with different eyes.
Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.